Amen. Enjoyed all the music this morning. Did you enjoy it as well? It was a wonderful, thankful to have three different choirs singing this morning, the adult choir, children's choir, and youth choir. And uh, what a blessing, thankful for all those who are putting in a lot of work to encourage singing praises to the Lord. It's good to sing praises to the Lord, isn't it? And uh, we ought to all learn, even if we say, my singing's not the best as others, we can still make a joyful noise to the Lord as well. So thank you for singing out well this morning. And we have a lot to praise Him for. Obviously, things behind me look a little different. We wanted you to get a little preview for this evening's special program as the boys and girls present Bethlehem City at 5 p.m. right here. And I hope that you'll come. After the service this morning, if there's a few men that could help me, we're going to try to set up a few extra chairs in the back. We've got a lot of moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts, uncles, cousins, in-laws, outlaws, you know, everybody coming tonight for that special program. We want to make sure we have plenty of seating for everybody. And uh, so hope you can join us tonight at 5. Afterwards, there'll be just a fun little time of fellowship, some cookies and hot chocolate and things like that. Although it might better be chocolate milk today, as warm as it's going to be. But either way, we'll have a nice time together and uh, looking forward to that. Well, let's turn back to the book of Nehemiah this morning. And uh, you can go to Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to give us one last message from this book. And uh, I have to say, I'm a little bit sad to see it go. I've enjoyed uh, our study together in the book of Nehemiah, but I am excited about what the Lord has for us next. I've got some things I've been working on and uh, looking at doing as we go look into the new year and uh, thinking about how God wants us to live and to walk and to be as Christians, as believers, as, as, as His creation in this world. But uh, we've gone through and we've looked at every chapter along the way in Nehemiah. I counted up. This is the 19th message from the book of Nehemiah. And uh, looking forward to just going through and doing really a brief character study on the man that this book is titled after. And uh, the title of the message this morning is this. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Nehemiah was a man who... While he was not a perfect man, is a wonderful example of somebody who did not quit, who stayed faithful, who walked with God and saw God bless in wonderful ways. So it's going to be a little bit different style of message this morning as we look at some various passages through the book of Nehemiah and look specifically at the character of Nehemiah. But it's not just a Nehemiah thing of not quitting. In fact, Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, he said this, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. As believers in Christ, as Christians, as followers of Him, God wants us to be faithful, to continue on, to not quit, to not give up. As we've studied this book together, we've been reminded of the power of God the importance of obedience to God and the protection that God brings from our enemies who would try to discourage us or destroy us. Throughout this book, the life of Nehemiah has been on display. His actions on behalf of God's people were exemplary. He never quit working to fulfill the work that God had given for him to do. This morning as we wrap up our study on this great book, I would like to take time to look at the life and character of Nehemiah to see what made him act 
the way that he did? Why did he experience the success that he experienced in his life in leading the children of Israel? He's a great example to us in many ways. And we'll take some time this morning to look at some of the ways that Nehemiah is a great example to us and that biblically I think we should emulate him in many ways. You're in chapter 1 and uh, we're going to read just a few verses here. Look at verse 4. Nehemiah has just heard uh, news from his homeland. He's not living in Jerusalem at this time. He's serving under the king of Persia. He's his cupbearer. But he hears from his brothers back home that the walls of the city of Jerusalem are broken down and that the gates are burned with fire. And it says in verse 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. One of the first things we see about Nehemiah that made him great, that kept him going, kept him from quitting, is the fact that Nehemiah knew that he was called of God. Nehemiah understood that God had placed a call in his life, and yet when you read verse 4, you don't see the call in that verse. You see his passion, you see his burden, you see his emotions. We can all have passions, burdens, emotions, and yet passions, burdens, and emotions can come and they can go, can't they? But the call of God is something outside of us that God has placed upon us and given for us to do. And Nehemiah here in chapter 1, we see that he hears the news, it moves him with great emotion, he has a passion that something be done, but he begins to pray before the God of heaven. It's very important that when Nehemiah had a problem, he knew where to take it. He took it to the God of heaven. He didn't just take the problem to his friends, he didn't just stew about it, he didn't just get frustrated and upset. While he was sad, he took his need, he took his burden to the Lord. And I would challenge you, no matter what you face in life, if you're going to continue on and not quit, you must know that what you're doing is what God has given you to do. Now, if you kept reading in chapter 1, you would see his prayer given in greater detail. We're not going to take time to read all the scripture this morning in chapter 1. But if you were to read through it, you would see his prayer and as it continued on, you get to the end of the chapter. Look at verse number 11. It says this, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah understood there was a problem. He was moved with great emotion because of it. He took his problem to the Lord in prayer and he asked that God might allow him to do something about it. And sometime between chapter 1 and in chapter 2, in those four months of time as Nehemiah was praying and crying out to God, God placed a call on his life. And we see that evidenced in chapter 2 when Nehemiah was given the opportunity to speak to the king about the need, about the struggle, Nehemiah had confidence in God and he prayed to God. He prayed a very brief prayer, so brief in fact, that all it says is that he prayed to God. We don't even know what he said. And he gave, he shared the need with the king. 
And the king then gave him the directive to go back and to rebuild the walls. Nehemiah understood that God had placed a call on his life, and because of that, he was willing to take action and to speak to the king. At some point in time, as he continued in prayer, as he continued to cry out to God, God sent him back to Jerusalem. His burden was not the call. His tears were not the call. But God gave Nehemiah the confidence that he needed to speak up to the king about his problem. We looked at this back when we studied in chapter 2, and we saw how when you had a problem in that day, you didn't let the problem be known to the king. The king only wanted happy people in front of him. He didn't want somebody bringing their own problem. The king had enough of his own problems to worry about. He didn't want to worry about yours as well. And so, in fact, the king noticed that he was upset. Nehemiah had the confidence because God had given him a call to go and to do what needed to be done. But we see this displayed as Nehemiah continues in prayer. So not only is Nehemiah a man who did not quit because he understood he had a calling of God, we see Nehemiah as a man who depended on prayer. This book begins and it ends with a prayer. Chapter 1 is really an entire prayer. Chapter 13, he finishes up with a prayer. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Nehemiah begins and ends the book with prayer. There are various prayers recorded throughout the book. Even when he became the royal governor of Israel, he had the king of Persia supporting him. He's the governor of the land. He had great authority. He had the wealth, wealth of the king behind him. And yet he depended solely on God to help him finish the work. We read that in verse 11 of chapter 1, how he prayed to God that God would prosper him, that God would grant him mercy. Over and over, when Nehemiah had the opportunity to take the credit for something, Nehemiah instead gave the credit to God. Over and over, when Nehemiah faced a difficulty, he went in prayer to God. Nehemiah was a man who depended on prayer. We see that in chapter 2 and verse 4. It said, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it please the king, if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. Nehemiah praised this brief prayer to God. He had these sort of almost telegraph, quick, short prayers that he was praying. And yet those were indicative of a man who had a much greater, deeper, longer personal relationship with God in prayer. If you can get along comfortably without prayer, then I can guarantee that you aren't getting much accomplished for God. Nehemiah over and over and over again goes to God in prayer. Too many times we step back and say, well, I got this or I can handle this one. No, God wants us to take everything to Him in prayer. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. 
Martin Luther said it this way, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. R.A. Torrey, the great preacher, said this, Pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but above all, pray. Another commentator said it this way, Do not pray for tasks that are equal to your abilities. God, don't give me anything beyond that I can handle. Rather, he said, pray for abilities equal to your tasks. Nehemiah understood that he had been given a great task. He had been given this great work, he called it. Nehemiah didn't pray that God would give him less. He prayed that God would give him greater ability to accomplish the task that God had given for him to do. See, Nehemiah understood that his job was something that God had called him to do. It was beyond what Nehemiah was able to do. That's why Nehemiah must take it to God in prayer. And that brings us to the third thing that we see about Nehemiah from this book. Nehemiah understood the greatness of his work. Look over in chapter 6 and verse 3 of Nehemiah. Now, if you've been with us for the whole study in the book, some of these things are probably all coming together to you as you flip back and forth through the page and think, yep, I remember that. I remember what was going on. I remember what was going on there. If you're just joining us for the last message, we're trying to pull together some char a character study from an entire book. So it may seem a little bit like we're moving quickly. But for those who have been here, hopefully you're building on some knowledge that you already have in studying the book. And if you haven't had that opportunity to study the book of Nehemiah, I would encourage you. It's not that long. It's only 13 chapters. Read through the book. Study the book. If it can be a help to you, go online, listen to the messages. This is a great book that you can learn much from in how to live a life that's pleasing to God. Nehemiah understood the greatness of his work. Look at chapter 6 and verse 3. He said, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it, and yet come down to you? What's happening in chapter 6 is some of the enemies of the people and enemies of Nehemiah had come to him. They had tried to distract him. They had tried to threaten him. Now they tried to partner with him. They said, why don't you come over and join us and we'll have a little conversation about what you're doing here. Now they didn't want to do good things. Instead, they were trying to slow down the work. They didn't want the wall to be re rebuilt around Jerusalem. Because if the wall was rebuilt, then Jerusalem would be able to protect itself. If it could protect itself, then they couldn't come in and just pillage and steal and take whatever they wanted when they wanted. So they invited Nehemiah to come out and to have a talk with them. And Nehemiah's response was this, I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Over in the New Testament, the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul is writing to the church there at Thessalonica and he says this, And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. No matter what God has called you to do, it is a great work. Sometimes we think, well, what I'm doing is very small. Mothers, fathers, 
Raising children is not a small work. It is a great work. And every child is a gift from God. Don't be ashamed of that work. Don't try to put that work aside because you say, well, I want to do something more visible. I want to do something less demeaning. I'm tired of being spat upon and, you know, other, you know looked at and sneezed on and coughed on. You know, I, I want to go do something else. You are doing a great work. And didn't we see some of that evidence this morning with all these boys and girls up here saying, wasn't that a blessing? And tonight we'll see it again. That takes a lot of work, not just from junior church workers. That's from parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. And really, I believe a whole church has a part in the raising of our children. It's a great work. Don't let anybody cause you to think otherwise. There are people today, though, that say, well, I just don't want to have kids because too much work. It is a lot of work. But it is a great work. And if God gives you that opportunity, I realize He doesn't give it to everybody. But if God gives you that opportunity, don't let someone take you away from the great work that God has given you to do. Sometimes in a church, we can look at things that we're doing and say, well, I don't get up front. In fact, I don't even know if everybody here knows my name. That's okay. If God's given you a work to do, it is a great work. Somebody said it this way, there are no small churches. In other words, every church is important if they're doing God's Word. And there ought to be no big preachers. There might be a few tall ones. But there shouldn't be any big preachers. Because every work is important in the work of God. I am doing a great work and I cannot... Come down. How often does Satan and the distractions of this world and our own lustful hearts keep us from doing what God has given us to do? Nehemiah stayed on this work. It wasn't always glamorous. He had to work very hard to accomplish this. He was working with people that didn't always want to do the work, that got discouraged, that got frustrated, that wanted to quit. He was dealing with enemies that were constantly coming after him and attacking him, trying to stop him from the work. But Nehemiah understood he was doing a great work and he could not come down. What he was doing was far bigger than just building walls and repairing gates. He was serving the Lord of heaven. And he was getting the holy city ready for the Messiah. You know, this is when the walls were rebuilt, and this is when the city is put back together. And there's not a whole lot more in Israel's history that we read of that was very dramatic that takes place until... Jesus comes. Isn't that interesting? Now, Nehemiah couldn't have even known that. And that's part of doing a great work. You don't always know all of the long-term benefits and ramifications and consequences of the work that you're doing. Parents, when you're at home laboring with those children, you don't know where they'll be 20 years from now. But we want to do our best to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
We want to do our best to train them up in the way that they should go. We know they'll make their own choices, and they should. But we want to give them every opportunity to choose to do right. When we're doing a work in a church, we have no idea what's going to come. When we present something, when we put something together, we have no idea sometimes who's going to walk through the door. When you go out in a neighborhood to knock on doors and tell people about Jesus, you have no idea sometimes who's going to answer the door on the other side. What God's doing in their heart. What place they are. It's a great work. It's not always outwardly great that everybody else sees it as great. But if it's something God's given you to do, it's a great work. I've talked to people. I... I, I, um, enjoy going and speaking at uh, retirement homes and nursing homes and places like that. It was a, a rehab place. I got to meet Anthony's sister. I remember sitting there and she's in her bed and, you know, she's facing some very difficult health things. And Somebody living in that kind of situation can get to a place where they feel like, I don't know why, you know, what's the point of being here? What, what am I doing? Why, why am I still here? If God still has you here, He has a purpose for you being here. He's not done with you yet. Because if He was, He would just take you home. So if you're here, you have a purpose. Well, I can't do everything everybody else does. That's okay. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy you can pray. We need some more prayer warriors. We need some faithful church attenders. We need some faithful children's teachers and faithful parents and faithful grandparents and faithful greeters and faithful ushers and faithful decorators and faithful cleaners and faithful servants of God is what we need. So Nehemiah, he was called of God. He was a man who depended on prayer he understood the greatness of his work. But as we look through the book of Nehemiah, something else we see about him is that he submitted to authority. Nehemiah submitted to authority. In chapter 2, we read of how Nehemiah submitted to the king. He was serving the king. He was his cupbearer. But as he came before the king and he was serving the king, you notice in verse number 7 it says, Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come to Judah. Later on, Nehemiah also in chapter 13, it speaks of how Nehemiah got permission from the king to return back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah 13.6 See, he was serving under the authority this was human authority under the, the authority of the king. It would be so wonderful for each of us if we could understand that simple truth that we are all under authority. Amen. A lot of people want to think, well, I can just do what I want. It's my life. I'll live it how I want to live. We are under authority. Nehemiah submitted to the king. In Romans 13, it even commands us as believers to be subject to the powers that be. That's the authorities of this land. Don't break the law and think that it's okay to do it unless you truly are obeying God when you do it. But Nehemiah also submitted to the Word of God. 
Nehemiah wanted the Word of God read. When he found something that the people were not doing, that they were not obedient in, he worked to implement ways to encourage the continued obedience to the Word of God. Jesus had an encounter over in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, with a man who understood what authority was. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, as he was having this conversation with this Roman centurion, the, the Roman guard said to him, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. This is a very interesting passage. We could look, have a whole sermon just on this passage. But what's interesting to me is that Jesus equated this man's willingness to submit to authority... And he talked about that, then him having great faith. Sometimes we, we think of faith, and I think this is okay to think of it this way, that faith is almost like not being under authority and stepping out to do something that no one else expects us to do. And yet, that can end up being foolishness if we don't walk by faith under the proper authority that God has placed in our lives. Scripture is full of God's order and God's plan for things. It started out in the Garden of Eden as God created Adam and He created Eve and they were under His authority and He gave them one command that they failed to keep. They did not live under authority. They did not live under authority because they trusted the words of a serpent more than the words of God. They didn't have faith and so they didn't live under authority. Authority. Think about it. Most of the children are out in junior church, but we have some young people here. When your parents tell you to do something, it requires faith on your part to obey them, to trust them that what they're telling you is right, and to trust God that He gave you the parents that you're supposed to have, and you can obey them, living under authority. When a person refuses to live under authority, they are a person who truly doesn't have faith in God. They're saying, I don't trust God's plan. I don't trust God's way. I don't trust the authorities God's put in my life. I think I could do it better. All authority, we must understand this, all authority ultimately comes from God. It all flows down from Him. If you have a boss, you have a boss because God created things to work that way. The Bible, he speaks about masters and servants and those who are working for somebody else, employees and employers. The Bible talks about how God ordained the family with parents to be over their children. All that authority structure comes from God. Did you know even governments are put in place by God? Now, are all governments good? No. Are all parents good? No. 
Sin has caused all kinds of problems. We understand that. But it doesn't remove the fact that we are to be submissive to authority. And one authority you can always be totally comfortable in submitting to is the authority of God's Word. Be submissive to your authority. Be submissive to the Word of God. Moving right along here, we also see that Nehemiah was organized in his work. He was willing to wait for God's direction. We saw that in chapter 1. And then to act as soon as the way was clear. When Nehemiah was given the opportunity before the king, he had a plan ready to present to the king. He knew how long it was going to take him, his estimate, how much finances he was going to need, the people he was going to need, the letters to the proper governors that he was going to need. Nehemiah had taken time to plan, to organize. You've probably heard this, a failure to plan is a plan to fail, right? Nehemiah had a job for everyone. When you get to chapter 3, he had this plan that he shared with all the leaders of Jerusalem. After he took some time to ride around the walls by himself at night and survey the damage and see what needed to be done, Nehemiah came together with the people and he said, all right, I have a plan. And he assigned people to different places on the wall so that they could work. Later on, when people were getting tired and frustrated, Nehemiah brought in the protection that they needed. He encouraged the people. Nehemiah was organized in his work. This is convicting, isn't it? At least it is to me. Because the Bible tells me as a pastor in Ephesians chapter 4 that I am to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now it doesn't take away your responsibility to be doing the ministry that God has given for you to do, but I, I look at that and say, God, that's a great work and it's bigger than I can do. How can I keep all of our church focused and serving and being part of the ministry that God has given for us to do? That's a great work. And I'm thankful for great work that's being done through people in our church as they minister in this community and minister in your homes and minister in our church. Nehemiah later had a plan to organize the temple servants in chapters 11 through 13. He wanted to organize them so that they could better worship God together. I know these are small things, but they take time, they take effort, they take planning. It takes effort to bring decorations and put them up. It takes effort to put a children's program together. It takes effort even to plan a service on a weekly basis. It takes effort to make sure things are clean around here. It makes, takes effort to have a plan of what we're going to improve. It takes effort and a plan to say, how can we use the money that God gives us to steward it and to support mission work and support people that need help financially and to take care of our needs around here? We don't want to spend too much in the wrong area. We don't want to do this wrong. We don't want to do that wrong. It takes a plan, and we need God's help to do it. But I'm thankful that Nehemiah was organized in his work. Nehemiah also discerned the tactics of his enemies. If you go over to chapter 4, it says in verse 1, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Nehemiah said this in verse 4, Hear, O our God, we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land 
of captivity. Cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Notice though in verse 6, So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Nehemiah understood that the enemies were going to come against them, and so Nehemiah had a plan. He was ready to discern the tactics of his enemies, to keep people at work, to cry out to God, to keep the morale high, to do what needed to be done to move forward. We must realize that we face a very real enemy as well. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us this, Be sober. Be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Our enemy has tactics, doesn't he? He's walking about looking for the ones who aren't as close to God as they should be. To those church members that have kind of drifted away and they've become easy prey. Nobody's looking out for them quite the same. They've moved themselves to the fringe. They're not connected with others and being honest about themselves so people don't know where they're at or what's going on. And all of a sudden, one day we're surprised. What happened? Where did they go? Because our enemy has tactics. He's out on the attack. He's always looking for those. Nehemiah as a leader, one of the things that made him great was he was ready and understanding and had a response for when the enemies came against God's people. Parents, there's an enemy that wants to get your children. And sometimes he'll try to work through you to get to them. So mom, dad, when you're struggling spiritually, get right with God. Because you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting your children. Happens in a church. I've been around church long enough to know people that I used to look up to and think great things of, and now I'm disappointed because they're not even walking with God at all. What happened to them? Well, they're human beings. They're human beings just like the rest of us, and they have struggles just like the rest of us. I understand that. We all have our weaknesses. That's why we need God, and we need each other. We need to walk in faith. We need the Spirit dwelling inside of us, walking in the Spirit, so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to be honest. We need to confess our faults. We need to confess our sin to God and be right with God and walk with God, because none of us is exempt from the attacks of the evil one. The happiest, smilingest, funnest, sweetest Sunday school teacher has to take care of themselves. Just as the person who doesn't seem to even, you know, they're just brand new to church and not even sure what they're doing yet. We all have to be wary and watching and walking with the Lord. Nehemiah understood this. And if we are going to continue to stay faithful, to not quit, we need to recognize there is an enemy. and We need to be actively defending ourselves. In the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, he tells us, put on the whole armor of God 
talks about the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having your loins girt about with truth so that we can stand in the evil day. Nehemiah also, this is just a simple principle, but boy, it's a reminder we all need. Number seven, Nehemiah worked hard. Nehemiah worked hard in his prayer life. Nehemiah worked hard in his preparation. Nehemiah worked hard in learning the people and then working and organizing them to rebuild the temple. He said this in chapter 4 and verse 23, So neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. I remember reading that verse a few months ago and thinking, well, I'm glad they washed their clothes. That was nice. <laughs> but, I, but I think the point of this passage of what he's saying here is that they, they worked. They, they didn't even have time to change clothes. They were in and out every day. In fact, if you read in chapter 4, it talks about people that were on the night watch and people that were on the day watch. They, they were working round the clock to finish this wall in 52 days. They worked hard. The ministry of God is a labor. In fact, the Bible says the laborer is worthy of his hire. And that's speaking about ministry and serving God. Serving God is not a game. Serving God is not just a hobby. It's not just something we do for fun once in a while. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we are commanded. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God created us and He gave us jobs to do. He created Adam before there was even sin. Adam and Eve had work to do in the garden, didn't they? Work is not bad. <laughs> Contrary to what, what some of you may believe or what your children may think sometimes. We deal with that at our house. But to be perfectly honest... It's not my kids that are the only ones that have that problem. I got a problem too. Sometimes I don't want to work hard. We all deal with laziness and I'm just going to go have some me time. You know, that church member's calling again. I'll wait for later. You know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm not ready to get into that right now. We all have those days, don't we? And it's okay to rest. The Bible talks about that. Don't get me wrong. God doesn't command us to be workaholics and kill ourselves with work. But God's work is labor. Nehemiah worked very hard to accomplish this. We've talked a little bit about raising children. It's hard work to raise your children. We're in the middle of it, I understand. It's hard work to maintain a godly marriage. It's hard work even at times to be faithful to church. Can you believe it? There are even Sundays I wake up and say, you know, I wonder how quickly Brother Allen or Brother Josh or Brother, Jay, Brother Ed, he could probably preach quick. He's been preaching a long time. Brother Ed, if I called you some Sunday morning, you could just step in and let it fly. Be all right? Yes, sir. Well, good. I have an excuse to be lazy next week. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. 
but he is a blessing, and he's, he's ministered that way for me before when I couldn't be here for a service or something. But there are even weeks, I'm just kind of having fun here a little bit, but there are times where I'm just tired and don't feel like it. To keep faithful in the, the work, to not quit, to not give up, it really goes back to that first point, understanding that what we do, it's a labor for the Lord. It's a calling from God. It's something that God gives us the ability to do, but we, have, we need His help to do it. That's why we have to pray. That's why as we continue to walk, it's not just, well, I better lift myself up by my own bootstraps today, you know, and pull myself up. No, I've got to rely on the Lord. Fully rely on God in every area because I can't do it on my own. I need His help. But it is work. Don't be afraid of hard work if it's a work that God's given you to do. Nehemiah lived an exemplary life. We see that he was faithful to his work, he was faithful to his people, and he was faithful to his God. He said in chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, he said, And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Nehemiah's response, that was the enemy. They're like, hey, we're going to tell the king that you've, you're planning a, a, a revolt. You've set yourself up as king. But Nehemiah says, Then I sent unto him, saying, There is no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. You're just making it up. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now, therefore, God, strengthen my hands. There is no substitute for integrity in the work that God has given you to do. Nehemiah was a man of integrity. When they came and brought this accusation against him, you're trying to do this? Nehemiah said, no, I'm not. You've made that up. Let's get back to the work God's given for us to do. People may question your integrity. But it should never stick. It couldn't stick with Nehemiah. Now, could the king have brought judgment against him? Could Nehemiah even been removed or destroyed? It could have happened, yeah. Sometimes people will wrongfully question your integrity. But remember, you have one to answer before someday who knows everything you've ever done and everything you've ever said. He's seen every thought that you've ever had in the quiet recesses of your mind in the back corner where no one else was paying attention. God knows. Have good integrity before Him. Be willing to do right, even if it means facing some hard consequences for it. There's no substitute for integrity in the work of God. But so many times, just like these people did, they tried to bring an accusation against him, tried to get him distracted, tried to get him focused somewhere else and keep him from the work that God had given for him to do. But here's what happens in our minds sometimes. We face a situation, something gets difficult, somebody's accusing us and we feel like, well, maybe I need to go over here and deal with this for a while because they're talking bad about me. Folks, I don't matter. I'm here just to serve the Lord. It's not about bringing glory to the servant. It's about bringing glory to our master.
So if God's given me a job to do, I need to be faithful to do it, no matter what other, what other person says about it. And just trust God to take care of it. But see, the questions they come, well, but if, if I let this stick, then I might get hurt or they might, you know, say something bad about me or I might get in trouble for this. If you know you're right with God, then you're right where you need to be. Just walk with Him and trust God to take care of all of the consequences. Our problem is sometimes we worry about the consequences. Well, what's going to happen if I do this? What's going to happen if I do this? If God has told you what to do and it's very clear in His Word, then just obey God and let God deal with the consequences. Even if it means a financial loss, a physical loss, an influential loss, do right and let God handle the consequences. Nehemiah was a man who lived an exemplary life and this follows right to the next one. Nehemiah sought to glorify God alone. He glorified God above everything else. If Nehemiah was interested in glorifying himself and living a comfortable life, he would have just stayed as the cupbearer. But he moved because God told him to move. He went where God told him to go. He wasn't out for personal gain or personal glory. He was out for the glory of God. And over and over and over again throughout the book of Nehemiah, as you read it, you'll see as the people came to Nehemiah, Nehemiah pointed them right back to God. Nehemiah gives glory to God. Nehemiah gathers all the people to celebrate, and they give glory to God. They get up and they march around the walls. I don't want to march on this wall. It may not hold me, but uh, they, they marched around on the wall and gave glory to God. There wasn't a Nehemiah Remembrance Day. It was just about giving God the glory. And I understand sometimes you're like, it would just be nice if I got a little recognition. Some people just recognize what I'm doing. Don't they know? I'm working so hard. And I think it's nice to give recognition, give honor to whom honor is due and all of those things. But if we're serving just so that other people recognize what we're doing, then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Serve for an audience of one. Nehemiah sought to glorify God alone. God has told us in His Word in 1 Corinthians 10.31 that whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Nehemiah came as a servant. He identified himself with the problems that the people were facing. Nehemiah didn't have to come back to Jerusalem and deal with that mess. He was far away from there. He had life pretty good. He was serving in the king's palace. And he left all of that behind to go and serve a broken people to try to help them bring restoration to their land. You know, there was somebody else who did that even in a far greater way. And he's spoken about in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, where it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That he, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, it doesn't stop there. 
because the next verse says this, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, God in human flesh, God's own Son, came and He gave up heaven. He gave up all of the comforts and the glories and the riches and the wonders of heaven. He came down to this earth to be with you and to be with me. The children saying, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is the name of God that means God with us. Nehemiah is a far cry from Jesus, and yet his example, in some small ways, was almost a precursor, a little bit of foreshadowing of the Messiah that would come. Nehemiah wasn't the Messiah. He did bring a lot of help to his people. He came from a far land. He left a king's palace, and he came to serve with the people with no thought of himself. And he worked hard, no thought of, of the pain and the struggle that he may go through. He was willing to do that for his people to be able to bring glory to God. But God himself sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a great gift. Nehemiah did something for the people of Israel that they couldn't do for themselves or didn't know how to do for themselves. God has done something for us through Jesus Christ that there is no way that we could do on our own. We cannot get to God. So God came down to be with us. God's holy. We can't ascend up His holy hill because we are not. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God sent Jesus to die and His blood paid for our sins. And it's only through the blood of Christ that we can have forgiveness for our sins. Nehemiah sought to glorify God alone. We see Nehemiah's great courage. He had courage to stand against the enemies. He had courage to go throw Tobiah out of the temple. It took courage to do the work that God had given him to do. We can take courage that if we're doing God's work, we can trust God will help us through. We see Nehemiah enlisted many to help in the work. The book of Nehemiah is full of names. I mean, there are lists, and there are several lists, like three or four lists of names. Large lists, and then there's some smaller lists in the later chapters. Nehemiah wasn't out just for himself. He records the names of all these people that worked on the wall and the, and the priests and the Levites who gave and served in the temple and those that came, the singers and the porters. I mean, down to really low-level people, they're all named in the book of Nehemiah. Why? Because Nehemiah had a great work that God had given him to do, but Nehemiah didn't do his work alone. I see some great parallels to the work that God's given us to do. This didn't happen here this morning because one person did something. No, it's, it's a work of everybody coming together to serve God. And Nehemiah enlisted many in the work, and I pray that as we continue to go forward, we can see more and more people serving. It was such a blessing this week, Thursday night, to go down to the Christmas outreach at, at New Life and help David and Adriana down there, and Billy and James were 
helping with the music and and uh, we got to help greet some people as they came in and and uh, then even earlier this past week on Monday some of us went down and knocked on some doors and handed out some flyers and talked to people and invited them to come well guess what you won't even believe some of those people we invited they actually came and some of those people that came they heard the gospel and two of those people trusted Christ on Thursday night you say well you did that no Everybody had a part in that. This next Saturday, you probably wonder why all these presents are down here. Some people really like me a lot. No, these aren't for me. <laughs> this coming Saturday, we have a group of people, and I hope you'll be part of that group if you want to be right after the service. They're going to have a meeting to talk about the plans, get everybody enlisted in the work, right? And somebody gave all these gifts to boys and girls that they don't even know so that we could take them and use them as a, as a tool to be able to share the gospel with boys and girls and tell them about Jesus. Isn't that a blessing? So at the end of the service this morning, we're going to take, it, take some time. I'm going to have the ladies that are organizing this come up here and then anybody else that's committed and wanting to help come up front. And, and we're just going to gather around and have a time of prayer with these gifts that represent the boys and girls that we're going to give them to and with the workers, and just pray that God uses that work, that God would bless these things. See, this just says, let's see, to a boy, age three. I don't know who that age three boy is, but I'm sure excited to be able to share the gospel with him and his family on Saturday. Doesn't that get you excited? Come over here, and there's gifts for girl, age five. That's going to be a happy girl, because that's a big gift. Isn't that great? I don't know that little girl, but God does. I don't know her name, but the Lord does. I don't know her parents. This is a girl age five to eight. Somebody's going to be excited. Isn't it great? It's not always glamorous. Somebody sat and wrapped all those presents. Can you work a pair of scissors? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. You can work. You can help serve the Lord. Can you come Saturday and help pass some gifts out? Some of you can. We don't need everybody to speak. We just need one or two. Can you bring a Bible and if a child wants to know more of Christ or a parent, you could show them some verses from God's Word on how they could be saved? That'd be great. You know, it's encouraging just to be in the work of the Lord. I went Thursday night. I didn't do anything Thursday night. I just went and watched and enjoyed it. It's a blessing even getting to see God's work go forward and just be able to observe it happening. I even won a prize. I felt kind of bad about it. <laughs> Here I come down and I win the prize and go home. It was a jar of candy. It was quite good. <laughs> It's great to be in the work of the Lord. Nehemiah enlisted many to help in the work. And one final thought here from Nehemiah. I'm sure there's many more. I just had 12 of them this morning. Only 12-point message. This was a short one. <laughs> Nehemiah was determined. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, speaking about Jesus, it says, And it came to pass when the time was come that He should be received up, He steadfastly set His face to go to Jerusalem. He was determined to go to fulfill and to complete the work that God had given for Him to do. I read about a couple of boys, and they definitely didn't live in Houston, somewhere up north, but they went around their neighborhood looking for jobs shoveling snow. We should get a, just get a little raise of hands. How many of you have actually ever shoveled snow in the room? Let's see. Okay. Maybe a third. All right. That's okay. Hopefully you can still relate, even if you've never shoveled snow. They saw a man out shoveling his driveway, and they asked if they could do the job. The man looked at the boys and he said, can't you see I'm already half finished? That's why we asked, the boys explained. You see, we get most of our work from people who got started but weren't able to finish. We read about Nehemiah and his faithfulness because Nehemiah didn't quit. He finished what God gave for him to do. And I would just challenge you as you think about this man, understand he was only great because he served a great God. But think about the responsibilities that God has given to you and hope that someday when this life does come to an end, that you could stand before the Lord as Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. It's always too soon to quit. I hope as you think about your own life, you take some time to examine yourself before the Lord this morning. Say, God, help me to trust you. Help me to walk by faith. Help me to be convinced of the calling you placed in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and say, God, I need to give my life to you. I've done a lot of other things. I've lived my own way. I, I, I've, I've done what I've done. But I see, even in the life of Nehemiah, how when God is at work in somebody's life, He can take them and use them and put them right where they need to be. And He blesses them and takes care of them. It doesn't mean all of life is easy. But it means that life is lived to the glory of God, which is why I was created in the first place. If you're here this morning as we even wrap up this preaching time, would you give your life to Christ? Would you trust in Him as your Savior? There's nothing greater in all the world than having a personal relationship with your Heavenly Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you have trusted Christ as your Savior, would you carefully consider your own heart and as David said, ask God, search me, O God. Try my heart. God, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I hope that can be your prayer this morning. God, search us, know us, try us. Help us to be faithful to you. Lord, we need your help. None of us has the strength to accomplish all the work that you've given us to do in ourselves. But Lord, 
you are the God of all power and all strength, and you can give us and will give us the ability to complete what you've set out for us to do. Help us not to shy away from the great work that you've given us, but rather to press forward by faith with great courage and determination to fulfill the duties that you've placed upon us. To fight the good fight, to finish the course, to keep the faith, to understand that it's always too soon to quit. Bless this time as we respond to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Just ask you to take some time now to talk to the Lord, pray, if I can pray with you. If, if you need to trust Christ as your Savior, I'd love to be able to speak with you right now or after the service or find somebody else to help you. Ask God to give you the strength and to be faithful, be committed, be people of integrity, be people of prayer people are confident in the calling that God's placed on your life. Father, we thank you for the example of the life of Nehemiah, and we thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son, that you sent to this earth. And we more than adore him and celebrate his birth as we look towards his life and then his death, his burial, and then his resurrection to pay for our sin. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.